If you're like me, uh, you recognize that you got to do some things a little differently now than you've probably done in the last month. For instance, I've got to try to plan to unbury my Bowflex. That's, that's high on the agenda list. I've got to try to warm up the old treadmill again and try to get that back into shape. And I've got to tone down my seven square meals, 18 snacks, and 25 Christmas cookies a day kind of thought process and kind of skin that down a little bit. I'm going to try to be a little bit more health conscious, right? That's kind of typically what we do when we approach the beginning of the year. We want to change some things, don't we? Well, every year, at the beginning of every year, what we usually do the first full week is we set aside this week for a time of prayer and fasting. And we invite you to join us in doing so. We use this um, week to reset ourselves as we look forward into what God wants to do in this new year. Um, This is not a week that you can get your diet back on. That's not what fasting is all about. This is not a week that uh, will help you refocus on some good habits. But this is a week that you're going to commit yourself to seeking, desiring, and going after God in a way that causes you to refocus your heart, your mind, your soul, and all your strength. Today is a day that we choose to connect to God and disconnect from the world. To refocus our attention that way. And so with that in mind, I felt like it was something that the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. For the last month or so, God's been pouring in some things for me that I've been praying for you about. Um, you individually and you, us as a church. And I want to share a few things this, this morning that, that are along those lines. The, the first one is this. I've been praying that you would encounter God on deeper levels and in a greater way been praying that you would encounter God on deeper levels and in a greater way. That you would experience Jesus in your life in ways that you have never, ever experienced Him before. I'm believing that this is going to be a year that you will create and develop more spiritual disciplines than you've ever had. I'm believing that you will have addictions and hurt and pain and sickness and disease. All will be broken in Jesus' name. I'm believing that you're going to have God encounters on an everyday basis and that you're going to wholeheartedly obey and follow Jesus. That's been my prayer for you, each one of you, and me as well. God, I want to experience you on whole new levels. I want you to invade my life. I want you to touch my heart. The second thing is this. I've been praying that we would be able to start construction on our new community center this year. I've been praying that way. Amen. I've been believing for funds to pour in. We're so thankful for what God has done so far. If, if you've not caught up on the uh, thermometer up there, we're, we're rising close to halfway, and we're so grateful for that. But I believe that this is the year that God's favor is going to show up, that His heart and this vision of why we're doing this is going to be enveloped, and somebody's going to grab a hold of that. They're going to jump on board, and we're going to see it happen. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe that. In Jesus' name, I'm trusting that as God, as He speaks, spoke this vision into a heart that this is going to come to pass in this year. I'm believing that. Thirdly, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today, God's really impressed on my heart that we need to focus our hearts to reach lost people like never before. To focus our hearts to reach lost people like never before. That it will be more than just events. It'll be more than just showing up at certain things. And we try to do that, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. We try to give you events and stuff that we can make it easy for you. But it's going to be more than that. It's going to be us coming together to share our faith because we believe that we are the light of the world, that we're the salt of the earth, and that God's called us to be that person. How many of you this morning would, would attest to this, that you know somebody that's not a Christ follower in your life? Raise your hand. You know somebody that's not a Christ. Come on, don't don't let me just get them up. Up, 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 up. There's a reason for this. Up, up, up. Okay, good. Most of the hands went up, if not all. Hands went up. Well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Why are you saying that? That means that we have an opportunity to be salt and light. 
That means that we get a chance to, to make an impact. And, and, and I want to ask this question of us today is, for those of you that know somebody, are you actively sharing Jesus with them? Are you sharing your faith? I think in most cases, a lot of us are not, and, or maybe we're not doing it, we're just doing it half-heartedly, we're, because in some ways we're, oh, this is going to hurt a little bit, we're serving Jesus half-heartedly. Oh, but today I want to challenge our hearts. And, and I begin to think about why, why, what are reasons that we don't do this? Why do we not share? Why, why are we not living that way? And I, I came up with four. And there may be more than that, but I came up with four. And the first one is this. We're just afraid. We're afraid. I remember I took a, a, a group of teenagers to a conference. It's called Dare to Share. I don't know if you've ever heard of that conference or not. But I took a group of teenagers when I was youth pastoring to a Dare to Share conference. And in this conference, what they did is they, they got you all hyped up on Friday night. You know how they do at those events. And woo, Jesus is awesome. You know, and, they, and, and you know, got this whole hype thing going. And then Saturday morning, they give you this little card that you're supposed to go and, and how to share your faith. And, and you take that, and they went through that little card with us. And then on Saturday afternoon, they sent us into the ghetto to go knock on doors. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, help me. They said the first thing you need to do before you go to a door is you need to pray over the door before you knock. And so we would come up to a door and we'd all join hands and one of the teenagers would pray this prayer, oh dear Jesus, please don't let him be home. And as they begin to pray, I begin to sense the spiritual level of, of rise in that circle. And, and they begin to say, amen, amen, please, Lord, don't let it be. And, and even me as a youth pastor, I'm sitting back there and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know what you've got us into, but here we go, right? And we knock on the door and wouldn't you know the first door we knock on, God did not answer our prayer. Because somebody came to the door. And we began to... Do, do, do you, you know where? And, and here's the deal. The youth pastors were instructed to let the kids kind of do this. And you just kind of step back a little bit. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus. And these kids were awesome because they, they, they took it on, but they were so scared. They were so scared. Like, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And it was one of those, that was the first question that was on the list. And, and do you know where you're going to spend eternity? And the guy said, yes. And the kid's like, that's good enough for me. All right, let's go. And, and so, and we, we, next door, we didn't ask him where. We, we, it was good enough for us, right? But I think sometimes we just, we get scared. We're afraid. God, give us courage to, to stand up for what we believe in. And to share relationally with people. The second thing is this, is we just don't feel qualified. We don't feel qualified. What if they ask me a question that I can't answer? What, what if I stumble over my words? What if I don't have all the, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed? And, and what if I can't? What if they think I'm an idiot? You know, one of the greatest things that someone ever taught me, um, and I, I learned it a little later in life, but one of the things that someone ever taught me was this, and I try to model this, especially in, um, with my family, is this. If I don't know the answer to your question, I just tell you I don't know. I don't know. But I'll find out. That's so freeing, isn't it? That I don't have to know everything. Neither do you. You don't have to be a spiritual doctorate. You don't have to have some uh, theological training. All you have to do is be able to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to your question, but guess what? I'm going to find out. And you know what that does? It does two things. Number one, it lets them know that you're serious about this. And two, it gets you an opportunity to learn something and to get into your word and to study and to ask questions. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later too. The third thing is this. And this is the one, my wife usually, when we were talking last night, and usually she'll ask me this question, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I usually say, Jesus. <laughs> I don't want her, Dale, I don't want her to not pay attention. If I'm going to give it to her all, all the evening, I want her to focus on what I'm saying. So I'll usually say, Jesus. So what about Jesus? I say, well, you just have to come and listen. I usually don't tell her, right? 
But last night, I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was just succumbed by uh, in the moment or whatever. And she, she asked me that question, and I told her what the message was on today. And, and she says, well, what are the things that, that's hard for you? What, what, what are some things that hinder you? And I got to this third one, and, and this is probably one that, that is the thing for me, and, and that's this, is I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to come off as being pushy. Have you ever met somebody that's super pushy? Don't point fingers. It's not, uh, it's not polite. So much, I've met people that have been so pushy when it comes to, to this idea of Jesus that they've actually turned people off. Instead of attracting them to the Jesus that lives in them, they've actually repelled him. You might have said, man, I don't, I don't want to be that religious nut. I, I want to be Mr. and Miss Chill in this. After all, I, I don't want that kind of label on me. I don't want that stigma to follow me. And so what we do is we automatically think that if we even mention Jesus, that people are going to have this thought and they're going to label us and, and they're going to talk about us and they're going to have us be this religious nut and like we've been pushing it on them. And so what do we do in the process? We just say nothing. And one's not any... They're both bad. And you can't... You can't just live your life thinking, man, I don't want to be pushy. Now, there's a way to do it as you follow the Holy Spirit to allow that to happen and allow God to, to do some the work. We're going to talk um, about how God, well, God moves on people. The Holy Spirit moves on people. Um, the, the fourth one, and this is probably the saddest one of the group, and that's this. That's just we are complacent. In other words, you just don't care. You don't care about lost people. I'm okay. I'm on my way to heaven. Let them figure it out. I'm doing my thing. I got, I'm busy. I got things I'm doing. I can't, I can't be involved in that. After all, man, I've got my own stuff to worry about. We become complacent in it. You know, I think we need to come to this understanding that you don't need a spiritual degree to share your faith. You don't need to be an expert or have all the answers. You don't need to be a religious nut. Why? Because you are filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you. The same Spirit that God used a man named Peter to speak on the day of Pentecost and share his faith and share what had happened, his story, with, with those around. And over 3,000 people that day got saved. That's the same Jesus that God is living inside of you. And he has called us, we have to understand that he has called us to be his ambassadors. The Bible says that we are called to be his ambassadors. In other words, there is no plan B for this. It's all us. And I don't say that to say that we've got this big job under doing tasks. Our job is to get as close to Jesus as we possibly can, to draw near to him, and he'll draw near to us, and then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as he begins to open doors and opportunities for you to share your faith, and not to shy away from that, but to run forward knowing that God is already in it. Does that make sense? We've been called to be his ambassador. We are the ambassador from heaven to earth to represent Christ. And in that, God is calling us to go after him with a passion that's excessive and renewed. And, and he wants us to get after him with all of our heart. And as we do that, begin to use us in sharing our faith. And maybe you're here today and say, I don't know the first thing about sharing my faith. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know anything about that. Well, today you are in a good place because we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at some scriptural examples about people that just shared their faith and how they lived. Number one is this. How do I share my faith? Number one is this. You use what you have. You can use what you have. If you got your copy of the scripture, go to Luke chapter 5. Go to Luke chapter 5. It'll be on the screen, but if you want to follow along in the scripture with us, that's fine too. Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we're introduced to a man by the name of Levi. Many of you might know him by the name of Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples. We're going to talk about Matthew here. Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. 
And it says this, after these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector station. He said to him, follow me. And he left everything, rose up and followed him. Then Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a group of many tax collectors and others who sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Here's this man named Levi. He's a tax collector. He's not liked by too many people. How many of you like to get letters from the IRS? We like the refunds, and everybody said, but we don't like the letters. If you've ever gotten a letter from the IRS, you know that that is not a fun deal. I remember one time we got this letter from the IRS, and they sent me this big refund. And I'm like, I didn't, there's no way in the world I should have gotten this refund. So what I did is me being the honest, integral person that I am, sent it back to them. Then I got another letter from the IRS that said I owed double what my refund was. It took one year to straighten all that out, meeting with IRS agents after IRS. And let me just tell you, meeting with tax collectors is not fun. And these guys, and and this is a whole new level here in Jesus' day, because these guys just told you what you had to pay. And the deal was, when you were a tax collector, the Roman authorities gave you permission to charge anything you wanted, pretty much. And so whatever the percentage was, they could up that, and they would keep the difference, and Rome didn't care. And so these guys were known to be crooks. They were known to be uh, people that would be hated in this society. And so here comes Jesus along. Matthew is sitting at his tax collector station. Jesus comes in, and he basically just says two words. He says, follow me. Follow me. And the Bible says that immediately he left everything. And he left everything. He got up, and he followed him. Isn't that cool? A life change happened in the life of of Matthew, in the life of Levi, instantaneous life change. That is so cool. And it was so cool that he couldn't keep it quiet. So what does he do? Well, I tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't go out and preach. He doesn't get himself on a street corner and start declaring this thing about Jesus because in reality, he probably doesn't even know anything about it or very little. And so what does he do? He simply does what he knew to do. And what did Matthew know how to do? He knew how to throw a party. And so he fires up the grill. He gets some kosher hot dogs, some some, uh, hamburgers, and and gets all that together. And and he uh, invites his buddies, maybe has somebody playing a band, and they come in and play. And he just invites his friends. And and what's he tell them? He says, you got to meet this guy. you got to meet this guy that I met. He didn't have all the answers. If he was asked a question, he just did what he knew to do. So let me ask you, what is it that you know to do? Maybe you're a, you play basketball on the weekends. Maybe that's something that you could use as an opportunity to invite a coworker or a classmate just to come and play basketball with you. Do a little life. Maybe you're a golfer like me. I love golf. Golf's amazing, not just because of the sport, but it's because when I go golfing with somebody, I've got you for three and a half hours. You're in my cart with me for three and a half hours, and you're not going anywhere. Bless God. And we can just develop a relationship. God's used that. Maybe you're someone that you you like to... um, you're somebody that sits and has lunch by yourself every day, and instead of eating alone, you're just going to connect with somebody and try to build a relationship so that you can have an opportunity to start conversation about Christ. Maybe you're somebody that likes to host people in your home, so you're going to invite some people that maybe not all of them being Christian people, and you get an opportunity to share. You know, whatever it is, whatever you have, just bring it to the Lord. You know, I'm reminded of the story of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, and He asked the disciples, well, what do you have? And what they had was a sack lunch. 
He says, well, bring it to me. And he blessed it and it fed everybody. And, and I think sometimes we just, God's asking, well, what do you have? And whatever you have, would you be willing to give it to him and then let him bless it and use it to reach many people? Use what you have. Second one is this. You can invite someone to church. That's a novel idea. You could invite someone to church. There's a story in John chapter 4 about a woman at the well, and Jesus basically tells her about her life, and, and uh, she leaves him, and she doesn't really go and, and give a homiletic sermon, but she goes out and just simply invites people to come meet Jesus. The words that are used are this, come and see a man. Come and see a man. You know, my prayer is every time that we meet here, the Holy Spirit is here. We have felt that to be true. God has been so faithful in that. And can I tell you, when the Holy Spirit is in the room, He's doing His job. I said when the Holy Spirit is in the room, He is doing His job. He's drawing people to Christ. And so when you invite someone to a church service or an event or an activity, aren't we really just kind of saying, hey, come and see? Come and see a man. Come see Jesus. We try to make this process as easy as we possibly can. Um, first and foremost, we hope that to have a service, and we pray that we do this, we have a service that's led by God. One of the things that we pray back there is, God, you're in charge. This is your day. It's not mine. It's not about me or my agenda. God, this is your day. And whatever you want to do, we give you permission and, and authority to do that. And we also want to make this a place where you feel comfortable inviting people to participate in church with you. And some of you are sitting back thinking, oh man, and I know, I know you're thinking, what about that speaking in tongues thing? I know, right? Well, let me just kind of give you some thoughts, okay? It's been my experience that if God is really in it, they're going to find something inside of them that's drawing them to Jesus in the midst of that moment. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that whenever there's tongues and interpretation, that it is actually for the unbeliever. Did you know that? The tongues and interpretation part of that, of a public worship service, is actually signaled around the fact that there's an unbeliever in the room because it's an opportunity for them to experience the Holy Spirit working. God uses that. And you may be sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I pray. Maybe you've come to church this way when you've invited somebody. Lord, please don't let that happen today. God, please don't let that happen today. I don't want to have to explain this during lunch. I don't want to have to. I really don't want to have to have this on my head today. Would you, would you just please, God, just don't let this happen. And so... <laughs> We kind of have this thought process, but let me encourage you. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to study a little bit. Right? Maybe this is an opportunity for you to know a little bit more about it. Right? And if in your studies you still have questions, you can come knock on my door. I'd be honored to talk with you. I'd be honored to work this out. Because it's an opportunity man, where you can say, man, I, I prayerfully and we want to strategically want this to be an environment that you can feel God and be comfortable inviting unsafe people to. And to do that, maybe there's some things you need to do. Study your word. Get connected to the Lord. You know, the second thing we try to do here is, is we have invite cards for you to use. I don't know if anybody know that, that we have invite cards. They're back at the Welcome Center. And basically, there's a whole stack of those, and they tell you every information that you want to know, service times, websites, phone numbers, all of that information's on that card, and the backside is blank on purpose. You know why? Because you can write your number down when you give it to them, and you can say, hey, I'll be calling you, and I can pick you up, right? Oh, come on, don't look at me like I'm weird. We can pick you up. We'll go to lunch afterward. I'll answer any questions you have. I think, though, you know, in, in, in all seriousness, I think it's time for us to get to the place where we're serious about people coming to Christ. 
where we're serious about doing God's work and allowing him to move in us, to move past this idea of fear and move past this idea of not knowing enough and the thought process that the devil keeps putting in our mind about being pushy and this idea that just says, oh, you know what, I can't do it. I think we need to move past that and get to the place where we are going to use tools necessary, whatever it takes, because as we attested to a while ago, every one of us knows somebody. Every one of us, I'm guessing, knows somebody that's not a Christ follower. And in my life, the thing I want to do is be an incredible representation of who Jesus is to them. And I want to be able to share Jesus with them. I've got family members, folks, that don't know Jesus. I don't want them spending eternity in in hell. I got people that I know in the community that I've become relation with that don't know Christ. I don't want them to spend eternity away from God. And I think if you searched your heart, you'd understand that. But I think the devil keeps us so preoccupied with other stuff. And he keeps our minds so filled with the, the schedules and the stuff we have to do. And, and then we just kind of back off and, and we don't even do anything. And we lose the urgency of the time that we live in. I'm a firm believer in this. I believe Jesus is coming soon. And if he's coming soon, I want to be about doing everything I can to reach as many people as I can for the cause of Christ. Living my life in such a way that it draws people to Christ, not repel them. But also sharing my faith. Inviting them to church. It's really just an invitation that says, hey, come and see. It's a come and see invite. You know, we believe in that so much that as as we've talked about this morning, this week of prayer and fasting, we've kind of come up with the thought process that this is what we want to target. I feel like the Holy Spirit's asked us to do this this year is target lost people. And so this is a week that we're going to do that. And I think God wants us to do that so much that we have actually added two more weeks of prayer and fasting throughout the calendar year to target prayerfully, pray for lost people. We're going to do it two weeks prior to Easter because that's a wonderful time for people to know Christ. We're going to do it in August again as people are transitioning their schedule back into school and back into the new year. We're going to do it then. I believe that this, I I firmly believe this church, that this will be the greatest year of people coming to Christ than we've experienced ever before if we will but dedicate our heart and our mind and our spirit to it and allow God to work in us. I believe that. I believe there's a move that's going to take place. But we can't have a complacent, half-hearted, lackadaisical attitude with it. We have to get in. And that's what this week of prayer and fasting is. It's a, it's a pushing of the reset button for some of us. It says, you know what, man, I, I've been so caught up. And the holidays kind of do that to you, don't they? They kind of catch you up in a lot of different things and a lot of different stuff. But now we're going to reset. And I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm going to start this year out with a new focus and a new energy. And I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to connect to you and I'm going to disconnect from the world. I'm going to pray for these folks, and I'm going to believe, God, that you're going to do something great. Amen. I believe that God's calling us to reach the lost. We're going to pray for them. We're going to do what we know to do. We're going to invite them to church, and finally, we're going to share our story. We're going to share our story. If you go to John chapter 9, there's a story there of a blind man. This man had been blind, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus heals him. And so what this guy does is after he's encountered Jesus, Jesus changed his life. I mean, you got to think of this guy couldn't see. He couldn't see, and now his eyes were open, and, and he can actually see everything around him. Could you imagine that for a moment? Have you ever had that happen in your life where you lost like one of your senses and maybe you couldn't see for a while or maybe your, your hearing went out for a little bit and, and you're just like, how much when it came back, it was just like, wow, amazing. This guy had been blind, but he met Christ and Christ caused him to see. So he's going around telling everybody about it. 
And the, the religious leaders didn't like that, and so they called him in. And this is what they said. In verse 25, he said, I don't know if he's a sinner. One, I know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Here's a guy that when people were attacking this man, but he knew that this was his story. He knew that what had happened to him was legitimate and it was truth and it was it had been something that was life-changing and life-transformation that had happened in his life. He knew what Jesus had done to him, and his story was personal. And when they asked him, hey, what happened to you? He says, listen, I don't know what happened exactly. I can't put my finger on it, but one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. I couldn't, I, there was a time when I couldn't see anything. I couldn't even see the hand in front of my face. But now I see in color. I see everything around me. I have been completely made whole. That was his personal testimony, his personal story. I love that. He didn't have a sermon to preach. He didn't have three points in a poem. Only thing that he knew was this. Man, I was blind. but now I can see. You know, each one of you have a story too, if you're a Christ follower. Every one of you have a story, and that story is unique, and it belongs to you. Whether you've been in church for several years, but one day your relationship with Jesus became your own. It wasn't your daddy's. It wasn't your mama's. It wasn't your grandparents'. It became yours. Maybe you were someone that grew up in church, and you ignored God, but you went to church and lived however you wanted but one day you had an encounter with Jesus and He totally changed your life. Maybe you're here today and, and you lived a life that was involved in drugs and addiction and anger and alcohol and sin. Whether you've been deceived by religion, whether you've been, had moments when you thought about ending it all and just committing suicide. At some point, all of that hell that you found, went through, you found the Savior of the world. And when you met Jesus, He came in and completely changed your life. You have a story to tell. All of us have a story. And the cool thing is, is it's yours and it's personal. And there's not a devil in hell that can convince you differently as long as you believe what you say. Because it happened to you. I can tell you my story. My story was one of the, the one that ignored God, went to church anyway, but just ignored God. Just kind of did whatever I wanted to do, knew all the Bible stories, knew all that stuff, but I just kind of ignored God. But one day I had an encounter with Jesus, and from that day forward, he changed my life. That's my story. Each one of you have a story that, that is waiting for someone to hear. Someone's waiting to hear. You know, I took a, a group of people on a mission trip to Washington, D.C. I mean, you know they need missions in Washington, D.C., that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. So but we went to uh, Washington, D.C. on a mission trip. And as we're on our way there, you know, I've got a captive audience. I've warned them already, hey, you need to be prepared because I'm going to ask you to share your testimony. I'm going to ask you to share your story. So we're on the way there, and somebody else is driving, and I'm just kind of sitting in the middle of the van, and I started pointing at people, okay, share your story. What? I didn't know you were serious. Share your story. And so they begin to share one after one. How many of you know that's a long ride from Columbus, Ohio to Washington, D.C.? I had a long time. Share your story. And one by one by one by one, they started to share their story. And you know what happened in that, in that van? There began to be an excitement in the van. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was there. Because the stories that they were sharing were life-changing stories of what had happened to them. And there was one lady that I'll never forget. She's, she was the last lady because um, she just kept looking away. You know how they do, like the ushers do when they don't want you to pray out. Call them on to pray. They kind of look around. Watch them. <laughs> they, they don't want you to pray. They won't see me. If I, right? And so she was kind of doing that because she knew that I was going to call on her. And finally I called on her. And she says, you know, I don't have a story. I said, you don't have a story. 
What do you mean you don't have a story? She said, well, I grew up in church, and I've never known anything but serving God. It's been my, from the time I was young and up until the time of today, I've just never known what it was to not serve the Lord. I said, that's a story. That's a story. That's a testimony. Thank God you didn't have to go through all that other stuff. That's a story. And so today, it doesn't matter if, if you have been in church your entire life. Maybe just like Nehemiah, who was here the first Sunday after he was born. Maybe your story's like that and you just grow up in church. Or maybe you have been through the mill and, and the devil's been after you and you've been addicted to all these different things and tried all this different stuff. No matter where you are on that scale, can I tell you, if you are a Christ follower, you have a testimony. You have a story because God has changed your life. Give him praise. And you need to pray that God will help you to overcome the fear, to overcome the doubt, to overcome the devil, because we overcome him by what? The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Sharing your faith. Telling your story. Maybe you're here today and you're here because someone shared their story with you. And it caused you to find Jesus. Because you see, it's been my experience with folks, is once you've experienced Jesus, truly experienced Him, there's nothing better. There's nothing greater than being able to watch someone give their heart to Christ. The Bible says that all of heaven celebrates when one person comes to Jesus. Can I just be honest? That's why we do the things we do around here. It's because we have a, a heartbeat and a prayer that says we want people to find God. I want people to find the Lord. And that's our prayer for us this year. That as long as there's one hurting person, we'll tell our story that we will use what we have, that we'll invite people to church, that we'll speak what God wants us to do, and we'll tell our story. I ask today that you make this your decision to do this. So I want to kind of throw this at you today, that this thought process isn't really an option for you. Oh, I know I just ruined it for a bunch of you right now. This is not really an option for you as a believer you don't get a pass. You can't afford to be complacent in this. You know, I, I typically, you, you know me around here, I don't usually play the guilt card, but can I just tell you, God's commanded us to be salt and light. He's commanded us to be His ambassador and share the love of God with people. In Scripture, as I look throughout this Scripture from front to back, there's one thing that I've noticed is that when someone truly met Jesus, they were changed by Him. And not only did they, something happen in their heart, but something happened in them, and they shared that with other people because it was the life-changing power of God that had affected their life every time. Every time. So what about you? I ask you this question. Maybe you're here today and have you forgotten what it feels like to be lost? Are you allowing Jesus to do a work in your life? I can guarantee you this. If you're working at coming closer to Christ, He's going to do something that's inside of you that you can't contain. And just like that blind man, you're going to stand up and say, listen, I don't know what happened, but I just know this. I've met Jesus and I was blind, but now I see. I was going this way. My life was heading that way. You know, that's what repentance really is. The word repentance really means doing a 180. And what it means is this. My life was heading this way. I mean, I was heading down the road of destruction, down towards sin and hell. But I've found Christ, and I changed my life, and I repented, and I turned around, and now I'm heading a different direction. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he saved me from going that way. I'm so glad that he saved me from doing that. Maybe you're here today, and you, you just, that's, that's not something that's working in you, it's not happening in you. Can I encourage you today, before we leave this place, here in just a few moments, I want to ask you to make an assessment of that in your life. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and 
you have either become complacent in your relationship with Christ, kind of just, man, I've got other things going on and we've gotten caught up in our schedules and stuff. Or maybe you're here today and you've completely backslidden and there's some sin in your life that you need to get right with God. Or maybe you're here today and you don't, this whole idea of a relationship with Jesus is something you don't, it's just completely foreign to you. Can I just think, I can't think of a better way to start this new year than for you to start it coming back to Christ. Coming back to Him. So here in just a few moments, we're going to pray. And as we do that, would you just right now be honest with the Lord? Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, I believe that every time you're here, you're doing your work. So Holy Spirit, your word says that no one comes to the Father. No one comes to God unless the Spirit draws him. So right now, I pray you do that work this morning. In Jesus' name. You're here today, and your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, and you be honest with God. You say, you know what, I've kind of fallen into that attitude of being complacent. I've kind of put God on the back burner. I've kind of put my relationship with God on the back burner. And I've kind of fallen into that trap that the enemy set for me. But today I want to change that. Today I want want a new perspective. I I want a, a new thought process with God moving forward. If that's you today, would you slip up your hand? I'm going to pray with you this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. The next group of people I just want to hit today is this. Maybe you've come to Christ at one time, but man, you've allowed sin to creep back into your life. And you're kind of half-heartedly serving the Lord, and that sin has caused you and continues. You don't even realize it, but that sin has kept you from God. And maybe you've even said this week, man, I don't even understand where God is in my life. I'm not even sure what's going on in in this. And you don't even realize it's because of the sin that's in your life. And today, you want to make a decision to bring that sin and crucify it on the cross of Christ today. And invite Jesus an opportunity to start over with you. You overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And right now, you need to apply that blood again to your life. You need to apply Jesus, grace, mercy, and forgiveness to your life. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. And finally, this morning, you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you were like me, went to church, but man, you really just kind of ignored God. Did your religious things. I could tell you all the Bible stories. I could tell you all that stuff, but I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know him personally. But the day that I met Jesus, he changed my life. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here today and you've not had that encounter with Christ yet. I can't think of a better way to start today moving forward than doing that. So if that's you here this morning, would you slip up your hand? We want to pray for you today. Amen. I want to invite you to stand, if you would, please. This morning, if you raise your hand, we're going to pray here in just a moment. But if you raise your hand, I'm just going to ask you to simply do this again. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand again as we pray to the Lord as an opportunity to say, God, that's me. And Lord, I, I need you. We're going to pray right now. And as we do, would you just slip your hands to the Lord? Lord, today you see those hands that are up. God, you see those folks that have walked away from you. They've allowed sin to creep back into their life. And so today I pray right now that you would just offer, thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. And I pray, God, that you would just begin to uh, move, remove that from them. Right now, if you got your hands up for that, would you just ask God to and repent today? Would you name that sin? Lord, I repent of and name that before him and say, God, I give you my heart and I give you my life again. Jesus, that's me. 
I give you my heart. I want to see again. Thank you, Lord. Father, there are those who have their hands up today because their walk with you has become on the back burner. It's been kind of something that they've just kind of pushed aside. But God, today I pray that you would ignite a passion inside of their heart. That you'd ignite a passion inside of them, Lord, that says, I'm not going to keep this on the backside, but God, I'm going to do it with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I'm going to give it all to you today. And God, I pray that as they do that this morning, that you would transform them again. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Would you give God a clap offering this morning? Hallelujah. He is so good. He is so good. I need you to be seated for just a minute. For those of you that are clock watchers, you know that I got done early. We're going to, uh, we believe that God has set aside this week of prayer and fasting for a reason. It's on purpose. Earlier I asked if you knew somebody that didn't know Christ. We invite you to join us this week. For some of you, prayer and fasting is a very new concept. And you're going to be like, what in the world? Come talk to me. I'd love to just talk it out with you. But the idea is that we're connecting to God and disconnecting from the world. We're connecting to God and we're wanting God, going after God with all the heart. So if, if you would just dedicate this week to seeking after Jesus, we'll talk about what fasting means. For those of you that don't know, please come see me. I'd love to talk to you about that. But here's what I want to do. We've talked about that we're going to do several weeks of this throughout the year. Our ushers are going to come right now, and they're going to help us today, and they're going to give us two index cards. They're going to give you two index cards. Every person's going to get two. And here's what I want us to do, okay? I want you to write down the name of two people that you, whenever you raise your hand, these people don't know Christ, the people that pop in your mind, I want you, as the Holy Spirit's giving you direction, I want you to write down the names of two people on that card. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep one of those cards and I want you to put it with yourself. And I want you to pray every day. I want you to pray every day. I want you to pray every day. When I start seeing heads nod, then I know you get it. I want you to pray every day, right? Because I believe in the power of prayer. You are unloosing, you're loosing the Holy Spirit into their life in greater capacity capacity. And I believe in that with all my heart. So pray for them. Here's the other thing you're going to do with the second index card. You're going to write the same names on that second index card and you're going to pass them into us because we're going to take them and we're going to put them in our prayer box right here. And throughout the week, our staff is going to pray over these names. When we have late night prayer on Friday night at 8 o'clock, that's a, that's a good promotion right there. Friday night, 8 o'clock, right back here in the sanctuary, we're going to be praying and seeking after God. It's going to be an awesome time. You may say, well, how long are you going to pray? I'm going to pray till I'm done. That's all I can tell you. We'll pray till we're done. But what we're going to do is we're going to take all of these names and everyone on Friday night is going to have their name called out before the Lord. People are going to pray over these names that you're giving us today because we believe God is moving and wants to touch the hearts of the people that you think may even be unreachable. God wants to speak to them and touch their heart. So if you would take a few moments and do that as, as you're getting these cards to you. Again, each person should have two cards. The first one you're going to keep for yourself. And the second one here in a minute, you're going to turn back into us. Amen. I'm so looking forward to this week. I'm looking forward to what God does in 2020. I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking God's going to do some amazing things. I'm believing cancer is going to be healed in 2020. I believe that addiction and depression and anxiety and all those things are going to be broken off in 2020. I believe that the people that you're writing down right now, I'm having faith and believe that they're going to come to know Christ in 2020. Now, I also want to tell you this. Don't throw that card away at the end of the week, especially if they haven't made a decision for Christ. Don't throw that card away. You keep praying. You keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep looking for opportunities. 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Fill out those cards. Does everyone have one? Who does not have cards? If you don't have cards, make sure you let these guys know. Like they're just finishing up the back row over here. Everybody have the cards. All right. So, Father, right now, I pray for every name that's being written on a card right now. Holy Spirit, would you do your work? Would you go to them right now? Lord, as we continue to pray for them throughout this week, God, I'm believing that you're going to touch the hearts of lost people. That they're going to have the same same testimony as the blind man. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know what happened, but I was blind, but now I see. That amazing grace will take place in their life and that Jesus will be the King and Lord of their life. I believe that, Lord, and I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish up writing those names down. As you're doing that, if you could pass them to the aisle, you can go to any aisle you want to. In, out, whatever that looks like for you. Sideways. And our guys are going to pick those up. Guys, once you have them all, we're going to bring them up and put them in here, okay? We're going to bring them up and put them in here when you have them all. got their cars turned in. Amen. Would you stand with us today? We're going to close in prayer. Invite you to join us this week as we pray and fast together. Invite you to join us Friday night, 8 o'clock. Put that time down. It's in your bulletin. Underline it. Make sure you come. It's going to be a great time. Father, today we thank you for you, for your life-changing power that has been evident in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for that today. I ask that you would just move and do great things, God, in us. We give you permission, God, this week to to speak to our heart, to change us, to move us closer to you. That's our desire. We want to be close to you, God. And so, Lord, in this week, would you just allow that to happen as we seek you first. We love you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.